podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Max Verstappen takes pole. Hamilton starts alongside him on the front row and Daniel Ricciardo out-qualifies Lando Norris. G'day there. My name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this podcast, we talk in a pre-drinking fashion about the US Grand Prix. And I'm joined by, well, two friends, but not the typical friends that you would know. It is campy as always. Hello there, mate. How are you? Doing very well. Gentlemen and ladies. (laughs) There we go. Well, just like, here we go. Just drop it already. Take the bloody shine away from her. But it's Freya from the Cayman Islands joins us in replacing Tommy T. How are you doing? Very well. Very well. Glad to be here. I'm replacing it all. It's too late. I've already said it now. Uh, One thing that you will learn, Freya, is if one of us pops off the podcast, the other two have to do have to say, "Oh well, it's so much better without him." Uh, And so, last time that happened to me, I got basically replaced, didn't I, Campy? Absolutely. Uh, It is what it is. Uh, We'll do some uh, housekeeping first. A massive shout out and thank you to you if you are watching us on YouTube. Uh, As I keep saying, we're serving the algorithm here. We've had 566 subscribers. We're getting very close to the 1,000 subs. Uh, Basically means that we get some advertising revenue when we finally earn some cash through uh, YouTube for the podcast. It also means that we don't have to partner with big brands for random things that get make you have to go and buy something for us to get some kind of revenue. That's not how we like doing things. So uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, And a massive shout out to you if you're in the USA. Uh, Of course, we've got a heap of listeners in Australia, which is fantastic. But so many people, especially after the Monza win for Danny Rick, have joined us from the US. Uh, specific shout out to Hillary, who has been sending me photos from the uh, from Coda today yeah. as she was trackside. Uh, you have been great. I've got some inside goss on the tattoo for Zach Brown before it was officially announced. So that was nice. Thank you to you for, for that. Uh, and thanks to wherever you're listening in the world. It's so great to have you here uh, and it's great to be able to talk all things Formula One with you. Uh, Freya, look, we spoke on a live stream just before we started recording the audio podcast, but uh, for those listening, you've got a Danny Rick hoodie behind you, uh, but you're obviously another Australian, which ties in with the Lakeside Drive vibe. Where are you from originally and uh, how did you get into loving Formula One? So, like I said, yeah, earlier, I'm from, uh, from Tassie, a little island, moved to another little island, other side of the world. Um, and yeah, that does mean I don't get to wear my DR hoodie very often because I've moved to Cayman, which is pretty freaking hot most of the time. It's kind of <laughs> hot and hotter. We don't have seasons here. Um, but <laughs> um, how did I get into F1? Funnily enough, and there'll be a lot of people who are shocked to hear this, I genuinely didn't even know it existed or was a thing. When I um when I was young, um we used to um but we when I moved to Melbourne we used to hear I used to hear this noise. I was like, what is that sound? Like, what is this? I, I just didn't even know. And then a couple of mates and I said, oh, that'll that'll be the Formula One. Um, and it kind of went. It did kind of go from there, I suppose. I used to try and earn some money at uni and uh, do the catering um, down at Albert Park and that type of thing. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, and then got, got some cool experiences, I suppose. Went and stood in a hairpin at Monaco and stuff like that when we were travelling and <sighs> just, um, yeah, it's just been a thing that I've kind of always loved. I love the um, atmosphere of it all. I think the engineers, it's absolute geniuses. Um, I find the personalities of the drivers fascinating. Um, 
the whole sport's phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty into it these days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's so much to love about the sport and it's getting better and better and obviously the world is loving it more and more. Uh, I have to ask this question, though. How did you find out about this podcast and what did you think of Campy when you first heard his <laughs> bloody voice? <laughs> Now you've seen me, so well, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> underwhelming. How did I find that? <laughs> I didn't expect the beard. I'm going to say that, actually. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I think I was just looking for more content, in all honesty, and um, everything. Um, so I was just kind of just Googling, you know, Daniel Ricardo, ABCD, <laughs> everything, and um, that's actually, I think, how I, how I came across it. But um I wasn't really loving the stuff that I was hearing a lot of ways, it, it, the, the British um, kind of bias, which we are all too aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got a bit fed up with it and, um, yeah, was just looking for more content really. Um, and then uh, I think stumbled across you guys. And I think there was actually, I was going to add to that really quickly, there was a um, comment in the Discord about someone kind of saying there was, you know, Australian that were moving overseas and they started listening to it. I'm like, there's something about, hearing the Australian um, take on things, the Australian banter and everything else. And um, there's something about that which is actually a really cool connection when you're not in the country. So, uh, yeah, mm. it's, uh, it's pretty cool to have. Especially yeah. the dulcet tones of Campy. Wherever you are in the world, you get dragged right back to feeling like you were in full Australian mode, full Andrew Bolt mode. <laughs> when, oh, it's funny you say that. When I've done travelling, it's so funny you – you change the way you talk to sort of the, to meet the need of the particular culture you're in. But whenever you bump into another Australian, people are like, you just start talking alien and we cannot even follow or vaguely understand what you're saying. So hopefully it comes across okay in the podcast for the international <laughs> listeners, but it, we do have a very particular way of talking and uh, it's not great at times. So oh, I apologise <laughs> that profusely. Yeah, every I'm podcast. probably the worst at it. <laughs> oh, you've, mate, to be honest, you've got a lot better since. Oh, uh, yeah, don't bring it up. But Jan, Feb 2019, we've, I've, I've removed our very first couple of podcasts from the RSS feed so you can't go back and listen to it because we were just so embarrassed uh, listening back. But, no, it's, it's good, mate. And, look, at the end of the day, uh, we do this and people start listening because they want a different opinion. And as we keep saying, as much as we're Danny Rick focused, of course, everyone else gets a shout out, including Nikita Mazepin and not always in a bad way. Um, most of the time it's in a bad way, but he always gets a shout out, which is unlike most podcasts that you listen to, it's everything else. Anyway, look, uh, that, that's all great. Let's get into talking about uh, practice and qualifying, shall we? Uh, a little bit of news before that, though. Uh, Giovinazzi uh, still isn't confirmed for Alfa Romeo for next year. Uh, I read during the week that the uh, Andretti deal has uh, is been rumoured to do- been done. Uh, it's all yep. been tied up, uh, Sauber. Uh, are going to be, uh, well, they're, they're moving on from their Swedish partners to Andretti, which is good news. Uh, look, we spoke a little bit about this uh, last week, Campy, in terms of what this potentially means for Oscar Piastri, knowing that Guan Yu Zhou hasn't been confirmed yet and yep. there's a few other bits and pieces. But overall, uh, what do we think about Andretti's sort of take into to Formula 1 again? 
Oh, excellent. I think it's great for the sport. It's good for America, obviously. Uh, I mean, Alpha's been good. They've been in the sport for a long time. I've, unfortunately for them, they I don't think they've got the financial backing to uh, to put into the to the teams, the top teams, what they're doing to get the results on track. But they've been solid performer and consistent in F1. Um, probably makes a lot of sense for them to move on, get some uh, get some young, some more cash injection. And, and Trudy, I mean, the things they're doing in NASCAR and IndyCar, particularly in the states, is is uh, is excellent. So that'll just build the brand. I mean, they'll they'll try and rival Haas. I think that'll be their target. That'll be the two teams we sort of look for. They're running for. But I mean, cash coming in, cash injections, great. Uh, obviously there'll be a whole new corporate culture come in as well and there'll be some uh, intellectual property from across different sports and and philosophies on how to make cars go fast. So hopefully they get that right. I just think they've got to get the second driver right. And uh, new team, why not get a rookie in like Oscar Piastri? I think it's looking good for us. But uh, look, who knows? They may... They may want to go down the money route for a couple of years, but uh, it'll depend on Alpine whether Alpine want to let him go or not. So, well, we know that Alpine have said that you know they will be happy to let Oscar go in the same way that they've said they'll be happy to let Guan Yu Zhou go to you know make sure that his career is sort of set, not go as in see you forever. It's sort yep. of like the Albon arrangement with Williams and Red Bull that he's still technically a Red Bull driver, even though he's driving the Williams car. But Freya, for Oscar Piastri, I mean, it would be good news, uh, perfect timing almost, that uh, Andretti was kind of then rumoured, then it was almost confirmed. I think we'll probably hear in the next week or so that it has been confirmed for him to get this. But at least, even if he doesn't get it, he's not spending the last couple of races in Formula 2 thinking about, you know, the fact that he doesn't have a drive for Formula 1. There's still a chance, isn't there? Yeah, like there's no better place for for a rookie. You learn, you've got Bottas beside you, like just so much learning to to do there. It'd be such an exciting time, I think. With you know, let's assume that that new ownership comes through. Um, yeah, you just kind of hope for him that, that that is what happens because I don't think there's a, a better spot for a rookie um, when it comes to the kind of how those stars have aligned. I suppose with with who you've got racing beside you and and new ownership and change and. There'll be other people who are unfamiliar with stuff, right? Like you won't be the only new guy there and uh, I think it would be a, a great place for him. Let's just hope it comes through. Yeah, oh, especially for 2022, brand new car. We've all already heard yep. that Lando Norris is uh, not feeling that comfortable with the 2022 Ooh. car in comparison to Danny Rick. He's like, yeah, I quite like it. We're like, Woo. He's, not, he's, not, he's not feeling real comfortable in the 2021 car at the moment <laughs> compared to his teammates. So. Oh, let's talk a little bit about his, his teammate uh, because, look, Danny Rick uh, obviously won the bet with uh, Zach, which was awesome. Um, we've seen him already today in uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s NASCAR, the number three NASCAR, and, geez, he, he, whatever the camera position was, I think it was like coming up to – the hairpin down the back of the track, you could just see his smile through the windscreen because uh, obviously quality. you don't see Danny Rick's uh, facial expressions most of the time, but that was probably my favourite part, just seeing him do that. Of course, uh, for the F1's uh, weekend warm-up, he did a, f- a full interview with Lawrence Barreto in a Texan accent uh, and absolutely <laughs> crushed it, absolutely crushed it. Uh, but he just bloody loves this place, doesn't he? I mean... That that's it was a good qualifying session for him. It was a fairly good practice session, especially in FP3. Uh, he got to drive one of his heroes' race cars, and the team boss 
he value added to the bet by getting a tattoo in Texas, which Campy knows about. Uh, oh well, uh, and <laughs> of a Monza track with the date of the victory. I mean, it's all good news. And I mean, from from a team point of view, Freya, and from a leadership point of view, like Zach's little, he, he loves making a deal, doesn't he? But the way he's leading this team and pushing it through. It's it's almost like, you know, it's the perfect setup now, isn't it, for DR for the rest of this season and into 2022? Completely. I absolutely love everything Zach is doing um, and he's just seems to be striking this, like, perfect balance of kind of being part of the team but still being that leader. I think there's some who kind of seem to swing either way, um, whereas mm. he's there delivering on his promises, doing what he said he was going to do, establishing what just looks like an amazing culture um, back at, at the factory and um, I think he's just, yeah, just hitting all, all of the goals, all of the goals being hit by Zach, let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, yes. from a leadership perspective, you just you can't fault him right now, I don't think. No, and especially with, you know, his vision and mission for McLaren as a whole group. I mean, let's not forget the road cars. Every time I see McLaren, I just go, it is all of them are beautiful. You know, it's not like some Ferraris you go, hey, you could take it or leave it. But well, no, obviously, this is just my point of view. But the whole thing is, as a whole, uh, for racing and road cars, this guy is in charge of both of them in in some capacity. Uh, but he's just surrounding himself with amazingly talented people. Campy, we've spoken about Andreas Seidel time and time again, haven't yep. we? But uh, he more f- sort of focused on that F1 side. And, of course, going into 2022, uh, he's got to be happy with how DR's performing, especially in the last couple of races. Well, we expected it really, didn't we? Um, obviously, there's good culture within the sport. And uh, he's getting it together, which we knew he would. And he's coming. He's coming strong. You don't invest $25 million euro or pound a year or what into these drivers because you think they're you know crap and they get in and have half a bad year and struggling to adapt to a car they're thinking long term with this you know two or three years out uh they've got their eyes firmly fixed on breaking into that you know the top two probably fighting for championships next year Mm -hmm. if not into 2023 so that's the way they're looking but um my question i've got a question for you fray putting your professional hat on And uh, analysing people for a job. What is the difference between someone like a Lawrence Stroll and the way he runs his organisation and the way that, say, a Zach Brown runs the organisation? Obviously, Lawrence Stroll's got some big goals for manufacturing and car manufacturing, not just on track but off track uh, with the electrification of our industry. But, you know, they're two very different personalities and two very different ways of going about it. What can you? What insights can you give us into, you know, where the teams are at and why sometimes it works and why it doesn't? <laughs> I think a uh, super interesting question, and let's be clear, this is gospel according to Freya. It's not a, <laughs> any type of Love that. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> That's the lakeside driveway, yeah. Freya. But, uh, it's biblical <laughs> truth. It's biblical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Um, do you know what I find interesting about those two is when they are interviewed and stuff and they're, they're talking about their businesses and their teams and their goals and all of that stuff. Um, Zach and Andreas both are talking a lot about McLaren. They're talking about the people around them. They're talking about throwing themselves amazing people. And they actually spend very little time talking kind of about, about themselves. They spend most of their time talking about the people around them and how they are the people who are going to build success for them. Um, and like I said, I think they're doing that interesting that getting that balance in terms of going being they're part of the team, but they're not they're not they still hold back mm. from a leadership perspective, especially when it comes to Andreas. But they've got that dynamic that's really interesting. From a when it comes to Stroll, I think it's quite interesting because he now to be fair, in his that the interview um, recently, he did kind of say, "Look, I'm just going to." 
spiraled with people essentially. But he talked a lot about his own success, you know, and kind of going, you know, me and my business and my business success and everything else. And I've got this track record when it comes to my business and this, that and the other. And I just, I found that interesting um, when it comes to how you centre your focus on others versus yourself when it comes to how you're going to make um, any enterprise, you know, a successful one. But, um, you know, time will tell. I think um, he did also say, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do this if all of these things didn't kind of come together at the same time when it comes to, you know, the caps and the Dolan cars and this and that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, compete with the Red Bulls and um, Mercedes of the world. So, yeah, they're def- they definitely have very different leadership styles and way of going about things. But that's probably one one thing that I have noticed um, in, in listening to the way they talk about their success is kind of the others versus self-focus, which will be interesting. So do you think Lawrence Stroll would palm off the culture side to somebody else within the team and say, look, I'm just here as an overseer and putting everything together at the top. You answer to me and I want results, but you're the person that I'm putting in charge to drive culture within the team and stuff like that, whereas opposed to Zach Brown's the CEO where he is the driving force, it's almost like a servant leadership type of way of looking yeah. at it. You know, they almost they almost lead in a way that puts them out of a job that if they stepped aside, someone else would step in straight away. To me, that looks like the better way, but yeah. It, I, I, I'm going to go on. I'm careful here. We're going to take this down there full like kind of kind of route. I can go on about this race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, it's, <laughs> but it's interesting. You said that that idea of, of servant leadership is, is actually really interesting, and it's something that we we talk we do talk about a lot in our profession. Um, the second somebody who's in a leadership role sees themselves as um, you know being there for everybody else, as opposed to everybody else being there for them, um, and yeah. also the, the control and the power side of things. Power is another big interesting term in this in this type of um, setting, um, and that again, like uh, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to how Zach in particular has inserted himself when it comes to the team. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be interesting, like you said, with Stroll. Yeah, he might say, "I want the best person out there to, you know, be setting the standard when it comes to how to run a business from a culture perspective." Um, not looking for a job, by the way, but no, it could be interesting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I love that. You know, love that. They, uh, they, they might say, yeah, you can say that he then he said that we're going to hire the best people we can for every role that's available. So, um, mm. if, if, and, and, but that would also take a bit of realization to know that that's not his area of expertise. So, mm. that sometimes is interesting in and of itself, but, um, yeah, very different styles. It's interesting from a you know point of view that Zach is the same. He wants to hire the best people, and in fact, I think he has done. But instead of maybe drawing them with the big cash backing that Lawrence is potentially doing, he's drawing drawing them in from a culture point of view. Of course, I mean he was mm. working in sports marketing and sponsorships before he got this gig. He applied for it. Has been a McLaren fan his entire life. He's a racer as well. It's slightly different kind of backgrounds in that respect. But it's pretty clear to me, and Campy, that's a great point that you raised in terms of if Zach steps out, the team keeps going. And let's not forget, it's been since Monza that Zach was at a Formula 1 Grand Prix. He was, he's been at IndyCar for the, the yeah. last couple of weekends. So he wasn't there for Russia. He wasn't there for Turkey. Uh, but we didn't necessarily notice any real difference in the team because Andreas has got control, right? So, you know, when the issues happen with Russia and uh, and Lando not pitting and everything else, like, 
Andreas would have taken that regardless if Zach was there or not. He's like, right, the buck stops with me in this point. You know, I'm not blaming anyone else. It is what it is. Uh, but for when Zach comes back, obviously the socials light up and whoever runs McLaren social media has a much better time because there's just more wholesome dad content as he's there in his sneakers in his polo shirt tucked in. Carlos. Uh, and Carlos in Reno. <laughs> Um, more of that but that's, and but that's, Grand Prix. That's what needs to happen though. You know, he needs, if you can't have a, a situation in the business where you're, that person steps away and the whole thing crumbles underneath you. You know, it has, it should be, that's exactly how it should be. It runs itself. You know, if, if you're not there for the day or you're off, you know, tending to your all the other businesses, it needs to keep, the, the engine needs to keep going. Um, and if it doesn't, that, that's prob- that can be really problematic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, let's talk about some racing, shall we, or some qualifying uh, bits and pieces as well. Look, practice was interesting. The only real interesting moment for me was uh, Lewis and Max going up the main straight together, which seemed a little bit unnecessary, uh, but all for Netflix's drive to survive banter now that Max has told yeah. them to bugger off. these They're like, righto, <laughs> that's picked a side for us. We're on Lewis's side. Uh, Campy, what did you think of that little moment? Oh, look, I just think... I don't read into it too much. I think I think they're trying to probably trying to get into their heads. I don't think it's a planned little game that someone's going to cut someone off and Max mouths off while he's on the radio. Oh, and it's good for us to watch and we can read mm. into it. But I don't think there's too much into it. Uh, if anything, it's just you know they're trying to tilt some conversation to try and put them off that way because you know you're not going to put them off on track and in the garage because these guys are so strong and uh, the media is probably the only place they can play out their battle other than the on-track stuff and try and get inside their head. We know what type of drivers these two are, world-class, toe-to-toe at the moment. It's, uh, it's fascinating as fans to watch and we've got six races left. It's going to be pretty special. So I think any minuscule amount of one-upmanship you can get on the other guy, I think it's probably going to work. So. It's interesting as well because we've just had the F1 Global Survey. That's one of the couple of the questions in that were, uh, you know, who's your favourite driver and team and everything else. Lando. <laughs> but the fact that McLaren's a favourite team is exciting. But does it surprise you, Freya, that Max is the favourite driver? And if I mean, is it because he's in a real opportunity here to win the championship that that's the case, and someone like Dr. or Lewis isn't? I. Uh- I think at first I was, and then I remember what Zambot looked like, and I thought, actually, no. <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> it makes point. Total sense to <laughs> yeah. me. Um, yep. But um, but no, you're right. Like you know, with that success comes popularity for sure. Um, and I don't know. I think he's been, Max has been in all right form. You know, over the last kind of month or so, he seems to be having a bit of fun with some of the press stuff they're doing, and um, you can see how fans would like that. But uh, yeah, after I saw. Um, that army, orange army, and less surprised. But um, yeah, Lando, please. Like, just, <laughs> oh, no. he's the favourite with women. What's oh, what sort of women choose Lando? I mean, <laughs> I mean, younger generation haven't been parented I'd well. Educated young one, poorly, <laughs> <laughs> educated poorly, parented poorly. That's why they choose there such poorly is. men. So, <laughs> oh, that's what I'll go with. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But I mean, for Lewis though, like, I mean, he's he's come, almost in a way he sort of come out of domination period. This year, he's not had the domination that he's had in previous years. You know, now that Max has been touted as the favourite driver, all these other things. Like, it, I suppose it's Formula One's way, from an entertainment point of view, of just you know giving Max another opportunity to have a bit of a leg up. 
Uh, I did think it was interesting that the opening sequence for the US Grand Prix was just the in, like every race that we've had so far and what's happened between Lewis and Max, whether it was a win uh, for either of them or a crash for either of them. It was just an interesting way of tying it up. Think, well, yes, that's an interesting battle a little bit. But then we come through qualifying and practice and we see people like Sergio Perez, who has been really not where he should have been all year, absolutely smashing it out of the park. I mean, yes, he qualified third and uh, he sort of had a final lap with a little bit of rain that maybe disrupted him a bit, but that's great. Like that is a mega story for us to be able to talk about. Sergio Perez really on the limit with Max. It's the first time uh, or the second time, according to Karim Chandok, that he started going away from Max's setup uh, and started doing his own setup. So that's really great too. It just means there's a bit of confidence coming in for him as well. But overall... Yeah, interesting for Lewis because, you know, suddenly he's not the top dog when it comes to dominating the championship in both the drivers and constructors and being fan favourites. I mean, he's got a huge following, of course, on his social media. But it would be an interesting sort of thought process now being slightly on the older end of the paddock, isn't he, compared to Lando and, and Max even at the, the younger end, thinking, well, I've only really got two years left and, and then I'm out. But, you know, Campy, does that get in the way of his championship thoughts for this year or does that oh, make him hungrier? No, I don't think it gets in the way of his championship thoughts at all. But what we're seeing is we're seeing a change of the guard, changing in the guard. I mean, you can look at some of the greatest sportsmen in the history. Michael Jordan, when he was, you know, he was the new sheriff in town when he was taking over Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. He's like, I'm the new number one. And, um, you know, cricket in Australia with some of the great cricketers we've had, like when Ricky Ponting retires and Michael Clark comes in and these young guys come in and take over. You look at every sport, you see it. And we're in that stage now where it's just before the takeover is probably going to happen, but they're still fighting, you know, and they're bloody even at the moment. So I think we've got an exciting, you know, rest of the year anyway, whether we see Lewis go on for another year and drive the way he has. But we're definitely in that change in the guard whether Max goes on to have a career like he, he should and, you know, if he gets in the right car like Lewis did, you know, we could see him win 10 on the trot pretty easily. Um, but it will be interesting to see what happened. But we're living in that moment now where it's like, you know, the old and the new are meeting and they're, mm. you know, they're, they're really close together. Freya, do you think also noting, you know, that every sport has a dominating team or manufacturer or whatever for a short period of time or a slightly longer period of time and then they tumble down the order? Uh, We've seen that with Williams in the past. We've seen that with McLaren more recently. uh, And then getting back towards the top, is it Mercedes' turn to take a tumble off the top step when it comes to 2022 and have, you know, potentially the dominance of McLaren? I mean, they're on the upward trajectory and, of course, would love DR to be that world champion. But if Lewis doesn't win this year... Is that potentially it? Well, obviously, we don't really know what 2022 looks like, but if he, he isn't in a championship fighting car, maybe he kind of wished he got out this year. Oh, I think um, from, a, from a Lewis perspective, um, you can see in the work that he's doing, like he's focused on his legacy and that type of thing. I think if he if he wins this year, that'll be kind of, you know, another feather in his cap and, and he'll, he'll love that. And from there, I think he'll really focus on, you know, what he is contributing to the sport kind of beyond racing um, as well, um, you know, in terms of or beyond results perhaps. Um, I think it's just, it's the timing of, the, of, of all the changes though, right? Like I think it would be a totally, we'd be having mm. a totally different conversation if if there weren't so many changes due for next year. You know, we'd be kind of saying they're, they're again, they would be very in a very similar situation to, you know, potentially Alpha would be in terms of going, you've got this amazing experienced driver and you 
you know, still relatively new driver, amazing setup, yada, yada, yada. They, um, we, we would be having a very different conversation, but I think with all the changes coming in, um, it, it's a bit of a different story. But I don't think he would regret not getting out earlier if he doesn't if he doesn't win this year. I think he's focused on what he'll leave the sport with, you know, both in terms of results, but also everything else that he's obviously pretty focused and passionate about. Let's talk about his qualifying because he seemed pretty despondent, didn't he, when he jumped out of the car uh, at the end. He went straight inside the garage to be weighed on the scales where everyone who's not the top three normally gets weighed rather than in the separate scales, <laughs> which I thought was just an interesting vibe. He clearly needed to take a couple of moments. Uh, he still had the helmet on, which is an indicator of I don't really want to talk to anyone right now. Uh, it, it was it was a great lap that he did. Uh, the fact oh. that Red Bull was you know really pushing these guys all weekend uh, and all the way to the end, I, I was thinking at least second row was going to be best for him because Perez was on it for the entire time. Uh, but it's nothing to be upset by. Campy is at second, and especially when it comes to Coda in that first corner, it, it almost suits being in that second position rather than being in P1 for be able to to get a better angle around the corner. Yeah, oh, look, I think he's despondent because Friday they came out and they were a second ahead of everybody and they just thought they were going to cruise on. Whatever's happened over the weekend, people have picked up pace. We hadn't saw the difference between, uh, you know, Danny Rick from practice one to practice two and into practice three. So obviously there's some things changing on the circuit and it's evolving. Mercedes didn't get it quite right. But to be three-tenths behind uh, Perez after his first lap in Q3 Mm. and to then qualify two-tenths quicker to then be pipped by Verstappen on the end, I mean, it just shows the quality of the driver to pull out, you know, five-tenths on his previous time. Um, In a clutch moment like that, I think second, first and second, these days, it's there's not a big difference. It's all down to the start. If we go off what we've seen for the year so far, a lot of the time the second place guys jump on the first place guy, and Hamilton's been on the wrong side of that going into turn one. You want to make sure your exit's good because you can, you go into that S section and mm-hmm. you can be right up the chuff of somebody. So, look, I think you'll be going. It'll be confident going into the race because I think they uh, they showed some race pace, but it'll be decided off the line, I think, and then pit stops. I mean. All it takes is for someone to not flick a switch on the, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, <laughs> on the gun, after the right? chain on, yeah. on the on the on the gun. So, I mean, that's where the sport's going to be. This is where the title's going to be decided this year, and that's probably the most exciting thing for us watching at home. Yeah, I'll use a Tommy T word. It's a lot of jeopardy. We like a bit of jeopardy, <laughs> jeopardy. here on Lakeside Drive. <laughs> Can't help himself. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, for, I mean, from that point of view, it was good. But uh, Sergio Perez, let's talk about him as well. Freya, again, stunning all weekend. As I mentioned before, he's gone away from copying Max's setup of the car. He's found a little bit more pace uh, and he's obviously more comfortable. He seems happier outside the car, which is good. He's been pretty despondent for the last couple of races. It's good to have him back. He was almost on pole. At one moment, we thought if the rain didn't appear at the very last lap, potentially he could have done as well. But he'd be feeling a lot happier, wouldn't he? I think so. He's been on fire all weekend. Like I, it, You saw such a shift in his just overall kind of confidence and everything else. And like you said, you do wonder if that kind of comes down to taking some ownership of the setup and that type of thing and, and really starting to do his own thing a little bit. I think it's, it's it can't be an easy seat to be in, you know, as we've seen, you know, with everybody else, that number two <laughs> driver. Um, it's it's just not easy, I think, but I wouldn't mind betting, yeah, if, if that's right, you know, that he's he started taking ownership of that seat a bit more 
feeling with his own setup, um, uh, you know, potentially showing more authority in that way. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's playing out and it's easy. you see it on the weekends from start to finish people are just on you know we saw that with you know obviously DR and Monza from, it, it wasn't just on race day it was start to finish he showed up and he was on I think we see that in Perez this weekend I I was really hoping that he was going to get polar from being honest like mm. um, I yeah, yeah I, I thought it was his but uh, yeah no, I, I'm excited to see what he does tomorrow because his head's there He's in a uh, rear gunner position camp, isn't he? Perfect to try and get past Lewis and, and hold him or, you know, make him have to do a different strategy decision based on, you know, what, whatever Max is doing. Of course, if Lewis gets past Max, it's not as strong. But uh, as Christian Horner said after the ra- after qualifying, sorry, that, you know, his, t- his job is to support the team, support his teammate. Uh, he knows that. Uh, there's yep. obviously no bones about that, that both Bottas and... Perez are able to be able to do that, um, but for him, I mean, this is the best opportunity that he's got for for Max to win, which is annoying, can I just say, because I made Lewis my mega driver for fantasy this weekend, thinking, <laughs> yeah. you know, going down the same path as the MotoGP thing here. I was like, well, if Mark Marquez can come back and just dominate, surely Lewis, anyway, it's a huge mistake that I've made. But anyway, to talk, talk to us about that, Campy. Yeah, look, oh, look, he's in the perfect position. You, I mean, Valtteri, how many bloody penalties has this guy got to take? 17 it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, he'd be frustrated because Bottas can play a role then too, dictating if he had have started where he qualified. So that's a shame. But, um, yeah, look, the race will be interesting. I think if Max gets it off the line, he'll just do what Max does and charge. He'll just go as mm. hard as he can. Whereas I think if Hamilton gets out front, they'll run at a pace for the first, you know, 15 laps so they can extend their their plan A by, you know, five or six laps, which gives them some options at the end because it looks like it'll be a one-stop. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty of having Perez behind is that you can put pressure on, on Mercedes early to not stick to their strategy so that – you know, if they have some chances at the end of the race with fresher rubber, I think that's the way they'll be looking to play Sergio. But then, I mean, Carlos Sainz starts on soft, so mm-hmm. he could get a start and he could, you know, he could negate that by jumping a couple of positions off the start too. So, you know, there could always be an incident. Gets really tight in turn one. We saw MotoGP here, mm-hmm. uh, what, three weeks ago. and. Mm-hmm. I mean, the congestion into turn one was is pretty hectic and the previous starts here, if you get the line right uh, and that drive out of turn one going in the S's, it can, you know, it can be really good. So, and they're breaking uphill on cold tires, so it just throws more things into it as well. Um, yep. Yeah, who knows? It's going to be a fun start tomorrow. Hopefully there's a bit of rain on the start and... <laughs> You know, sprinkling, not through. Belgium style rain. Just yeah, a sprinkling yeah, but of rain. Sprink- yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we need Mr. Bernie Eccleston back, so we can get some sprinklers <laughs> on track, so we can just put them on ten minutes before the race. And, oh, it'd be exciting. So, yeah, for sure. Well, look, it's. I'm glad for Sergio. It's good to see him do well. As we said last time. You know, we were super glad after Abu Dhabi last year that he was announced to be taking Red Bull. It's also good that Albon's coming back into the fold. So that situation has righted itself. That's a short look. You mentioned Carlos Sainz campaign. I want to talk about Ferrari because the pace is here. Uh, they sort of showed it a little bit through free practice, free practice as well. Um, potentially they've set up for qualifying more so than race pace. We know that the McLarens are very good on tyre degradation in comparison to the Ferraris, but... 
As you say, Carlos Sainz starts on the softs. It's worth 10 metres. He's got his teammate in front of him, Charlotte Clerth in fourth and uh, Sergio Perez in third. So what really do you think we can expect from Ferrari Campy to, to sort of, I suppose, throw some more jeopardy in potentially, as you say, with Carlos Sainz uh, for Red Bull and Mercedes, but also McLaren? Yeah, well, I mean, the fight for third in the Constructors' Championships, you know, that's up for grabs. But, you know, I don't. I think there's only 10 points or so in it. So considering after uh, McLaren got that one-two in Monza, I just thought they would have streamed ahead, but it wasn't the case. I mean, they only extended the points lead in that by about, oh, I think it was 20-odd points. So, um, look, I, I didn't think this was a McLaren track. There's too many high-speed – or, sorry, medium-speed mm-hmm. long corners, so it doesn't, doesn't suit their car. Um, I actually thought this was a track that would suit Ferrari over McLaren, and we saw that, you know, by a couple of tenths realistically in uh, in qualifying. Um, signs on the soft probably should have qualified a bit better, but they've they've given themselves options for the race, right? Um, so their pace wasn't too good considering what we've seen in the previous races with their pace. Um compared to McLaren on the tracks that they want sailing. It's a good sign for McLaren. And if they can, you know, I mean, I think Sainz drops a couple of places just on strategy. Yeah. And if they can jump Leclerc, then, I mean, it's another race down and ticked off the box where McLaren's got to win when they probably shouldn't have. So Yeah. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, Freya? Because we spoke a couple of weeks about weeks ago about the power upgrade that was brought with Charles Leclerc in Russia. We didn't really see all that much. And then, of course, Carlos had it for uh, Turkey, and that was really the only car that did any anything any good of that racetrack at all was him snaking his way through the field. He's a great driver. There yeah. is no denying that. Uh, he also runs his own strategy, much like Seb did at Ferrari, which is probably good for him. Um <laughs> It could be an interesting <laughs> moment if we get a red flag, if we get some. I mean, there's almost guaranteed in my mind that there's going to be some kind of spin by someone through those S's in the first lap because of dirty air it's and how close they're going to be. Uh, maybe hit, being on the those red-walled soft tyres is going to going to suit him. I think it could. I think mean, if, if he had, like you said, it all comes down to that start, right? If he's aggressive off the start and soft, I think he could have a really, really interesting race. I mean, he's shown that he can, you know, that he can make his way through the track, through the field. So I think he'll, oh gosh, I, again, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going for this again. Obviously not in, not over, not over McLaren, obviously, but, um, but I think he's just, he's shown some pretty good form over the last couple of weeks and you kind of want to see them kind of be able to capitalize on that a little bit. But I think for him, it'll all come down to that start and what happens in, in lap one. Um, and, you know, yeah, hopefully there's contact somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely down the back right, of the grid, I, I can almost guarantee it. Let's uh, guarantee it, yeah, for, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but for Charlotte Leclerc, like, he hasn't had an ability to have a good race for a long time because of just the power deficit to those both Mercedes and for, uh, Honda power units, I should say. The Ferrari power unit now catching up. Uh, Campy, his racecraft is good. This is kind of a circuit that suits someone that's got good racecraft like him and DR in a lot of ways. Uh, do you think that a podium is potential for him if if he can get himself in front of a Red Bull? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, totally. Um, I mean, Ferrari's shown pace at times this year where I'm like, where has this come from? Um, I think I think Leclerc, if he didn't uh, if he didn't lock up twice in last weekend's uh, two weeks ago's race in Turkey, I mean, he could have won it. I mean, realistically, if if he had a stayed out in that wet race, so. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, he'd be disappointed with the season that he's had, but yeah, look, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he could, he couldn't. They could, but they can. I mean, we're, we expect these guys to progress off the start a lot of the time because that's what we expect them to do. They're world class drivers, but if that happens, it always means there's going to be drivers that are. That get shuffled back too. So I mean, don't count out Gasly from behind. He's had mm-hmm. some mega starts this year in ninth, and he's behind Lando and uh, and Danny Rick. So I mean, he could throw a spanner in the works for all these guys. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But I mean, the thing for me is, who do you guys think's had a better year out of signs and Leclerc this year? Well, you go first, Freya. I think signs are showing better, kind of just general race craft. Like you said last weekend, you know. He had some amazing weekend before. I have no idea what day it is. Um, he's had some amazing overtakes when other people couldn't get them done. Um, I think he's had, yeah, he, he's actually, I think from a skill perspective, he's done an amazing job this season. Um, I think Leclerc is just, he's had some bad luck, hasn't he, with the lockups um, in the last, last race and obviously um, Monaco and everything else. So I think, I think he would be disappointed with the season that he's having. Cause I think again, the skill is there, but um, it's just not kind of, you know, turning itself into a result. So my vote goes to, goes to Carlos. Carlos. I'm, I'm with you because yeah. at the end of the day, he's the new driver to the team. So he has, yeah. You know, more excuses, if you will, in terms of yeah. being able to be a little slower. But the fact that he's driven the wheels off that thing uh, and shown, you know, Ferrari that he knows what he's talking about in terms of strategy and everything else. I mean, his dad would be proud. It's it's very much a Carlos Sainz, senior, junior kind of vibe uh, that he's got going on. And I'm stoked for him because, you know, he's obviously yeah. left McLaren, who's probably going to be a world championship team next year. Ferrari haven't had a world championship since Kimi in 2007. So, Whilst there's a love there and a passion there, there doesn't. It's not necessarily a super winning mentality there. Uh, but for for him to come up, sort of alongside Charles, is a good thing. And let's not forget too, he wasn't really all that wanted in the paddock for a long time. He went from Toro Rosso, he went to Renault, and then he you know got booted for Renault because of Danny Rick coming in to McLaren, and it kind of happened in a similar way again. Uh, but it's good. It's good for him. Plus, he's just a character. Like he's just seems like a genuinely nice guy. He's he's great teammates with whoever he's teammates with. Like there's just yep. none of that rude Brave. kind of attitude there. So no, it's good. It's good for Ferrari. We want to see them back towards the front, uh, but not at the sacrifice of the McLarens. Of course, let's talk about the <laughs> McLarens. They, I, 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 I need to clarify that. I, <laughs> I feel like I need to clarify that earlier in terms of going. Yeah, I want fans to have a good race, but let's be clear. Not at the expense of a McLaren. <laughs> exactly right, yeah. Maybe one of the McLarens. I'm happy for him to be ahead of Lando, but for Danny yeah. Reed, let's just absolutely make sure that he's there. But for, for McLaren, as you said, Campy, we weren't necessarily expecting this track to suit them as, as well as it has done. Um, but it's good news, though, of course. Uh, he, I love his new helmet design for this weekend. I think that looks fantastic. Even Lando's helmet looks great too. Uh, yeah. But for it, from a team point of view, Campy, what do you think they can do this this weekend? Obviously, Ferrari are their main competitors and probably a podium's not on the cards, but sort of top five? Yeah. Uh, oh, I think they're targeting fourth. They need one of their drives in fourth and they'd be hoping to split the Ferrari, beat both one mm. car to beat both Ferraris and split it. So yeah, I think that's what they're looking for. Whether Danny Rick has the pace to do it, over, I think he's got the race pace. I think he's settled in the car enough. He's settled in enough in the car and the, the race 
post performance we've seen in comparison to Lando's, you know, is is there or thereabouts at the moment. So I, I don't think there'll be any team orders. I don't think we'll see any of the decisions that the team made earlier in the year to let Lando pass. But, yeah, they'll be targeting fourth if nothing happens up the front. And if something happens up the front, then podiums it is. I don't think they've got enough to win the bag, but mm. hey, it's motorsport. These things happen all the time. There's always been a couple of races where it's thrown out, and we know race pace wise that McLaren have proved in Monza and Russia that they can lead from the front and potentially win. So, um, you know, they are a genuine chance on race day. Their problem really is qualifying. So, yeah. But classic start tomorrow from DR, and he could be in, you know, fourth or third, right. In that, you know, yep. right in that spot, waiting for something to happen. So. And Freya, we've seen Daniel get a little more comfortable with his starts in the last couple of races. He didn't have a great start to the year in terms of the whole car setup, and and you know his starts were pretty bad. Let's be honest, but he's more comfortable. <laughs> he's able to get towards the front, uh, and he's able to keep cars behind him. That's been the biggest thing. So long as he's on the right tire strategy and the right choice alongside the cars around him. He's able to command a little bit more of that race pace. So if he does get past a couple of these cars, which, I mean, look, he's got two Ferraris and a Red Bull in front of him to get onto a podium. It absolutely is an opportunity. We know that when McLaren are on, they're on. With Monza, it was leading out of the first corner, fastest pit stop, fastest lap, you know, P2 as well. If It all has to go right, and I think Campy mentioned it too, if one of the guys at Red Bull or Ferrari have either bad tyre choice or a bad pit stop or something else happens, he's able to get in there and pick up the points. So is there a real chance for him to get that podium this weekend? I, I think it's a big ask, but it, it's Daniel Ricciardo. Yes. Absolutely, he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many variables, right? Like, you know, yep. you've got Hamilton and um, the staff and who are probably going to, you know, throw a hissy fit and crash at some point. You'll have like um, <laughs> Perez, who I, you know, want to see, um, I want to see him on the podium. I want to see signs up there as well. And I just, I'd be interested to see if Charles has the, I he's, he has shown snippets of it, but, um, you know, confidence in keeping them behind him as well, you know, actually defending for, an, like, for, the, for the entire race, depending on what that start looks like. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see um, if, that's where there's a bit of a chink in the armor, but um, the ask, but absolutely. Good, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, the short answer is absolutely. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and it would be nice. I'm I'm here for a podium of Perez, Signs, and uh, Danny Rick. That would be. I'm sure uh, Carlos, Carlos, and Sergio would love to share a shoey with him. Um, that'd be a big vibe. <laughs> I also want to talk about Alfatari. Oh, 100%. Let's talk about Alfatari because Sonoda actually did something this weekend, which was nice. Yeah. Um, he uh, intense. Two weeks in, in a row. Gasly in eight. Uh, and only because Gasly's only eight because of Bottas's uh, penalty. He was right on the heels of Gasly um, for all of the qualifying. Uh, it was good. In fact, we saw it's unusual, really, isn't it, for us to see kind of the Red Bulls were fastest. Then Mercedes was second fastest, Ferrari third fastest, McLaren fourth fastest, and AlphaTauri were fifth fastest. And yeah. that top ten, having you know, looking at the the list, there's no one that's an outlier from those teams, those five teams. It's the first time in quite a while that that's been the case. But for AlphaTauri, this is good news, isn't it, Campy? Uh, we've wanted Sonoda to find his rhythm. He has found a driver coach in the nicest grid on the car driver in the grid on the car, uh, Alex Albon, Albon. Uh, <laughs> and apparently that's working really well. 
Uh, and well, evidently it's working really well. Uh, it also shows that Alex is just a nice guy and helping him out as well. Uh, but realistically, do you think he can have these kind of results, Campy, for the rest of this year to convince us that the decision to keep him was worth it? Oh, I think you need to. I think he needs to get him for not only his own perception of his career and where it's at, but for the fan engagement too because, I mean, there's two sides to the sport. But once you get comfortable and your, your, your psych in your mind is in the right place, things can just happen for you that weren't happening before. It's like turning a tap on and off sometimes. So I think it's good for him. But then in saying that, we chatted about this last week – Anyone that's on the grid can drive. They've proved a lot in junior categories. Uh, Sonoda's no different. I think the difference in some of these younger drivers coming in is just how much time they have in the car. I mean, Sonoda hasn't really – I mean, he had a good first race, but he tested there for, you know, he did 500-odd laps before the race. So, you know, given that experience in, in, in race one, he looked like he was okay. But, I mean, now we're, what, 17 races into a season and – that time has served him well and it's starting to get some on-track performance. Uh, put it down to driving coaches and stuff, well, maybe. Um, but I just think time in the car and these guys will get better and better and better. And after two or three years, we've seen what some of the young guys like George Russell can do in these cars and Latifi this year stepping up a bit. So, um, look, it's good for him, but it's a shame because I uh, – <laughs> You know, I think you've got to put more pressure on these young drivers when you give them mm. a chance to come in and perform relatively quickly. I mean, yeah, so that's where I'm sort of at I mean, with it's, that. It's, it's not good when you hear someone who's, you know, had a contract extended and their response is, oh, yeah, I was surprised actually. <laughs> 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 it's, not a, it's not a great not a great look and it's not, a, it's, it's not what you want to see. But, um, you know, glad to see him having some, some more results, I suppose, if you want to call it that. Yeah. I think, I, I think Red Bull as an organisation, though, are, are understanding of how they've treated, you know, yeah. Albon, Gasly, Kvyat, and now Sonoda coming in. I mean, I mean, all three, though, Kvyat, Gasly, and Albon all got promoted way too early when they shouldn't have. There was just a necessity for someone to get a promotion up the top, and they wanted to promote within. They're not looking outside mm-hmm. of their mm. their driver factory. So I think I think that plays into why he got a contract extension because they've seen what they've done to three drivers now, and for it to happen to a fourth would suggest yeah. that corporate structure and culturally something's wrong, and we're doing something that's not right. So they actually need to address it and try and fix it. But I mean. So Noda will come into next year with that contract extension. It's like, right, it's day one again. Yep. You know, don't worry about your first year. You've learned what you've learned, but hey, this is day one. If you're not performing by race five or six, then we get into the mid-year part of the part of the year. They're like, that's when contract negoti- mm-hmm. negotiations are happening. Yeah, you might perform in your last four or five races, but the decision's been made well before that. So yeah. for him, he's got a he's got another chance. And I think it's it's lucky to get a second chance in this sport. And that's exactly what he's got. And it's because it's 2022, it's new cars, everyone's going to be learning again. This again, this new type of car might suit his driving style better. Uh, than others that are towards the front of the grid at the moment. But Freya, is Gasly in the bin for you or is he like Tommy T and me, he's well and truly out of the bin? Nah, he's out of the bin. There you go. (laughs) Nah, Gasly's... I'll put you you in the bin in a minute. You have to figure out where Cayman is first, but uh, sure. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> nah. Campy <laughs> would find it. Trust me, he'd find it. That's just south of Cuba, isn't it? It's in that general direction. Uh, oh, yeah, you, you like, like located Google Maps mm-hmm. as well. Selma, Selma, <laughs> oh, no, I, was, I was a geography whiz in high school. So no. <laughs> no, you just know where your accountant right. lives, mate, for your offshore yeah. accounts. <laughs> um, no, nah, Gasly's not in the bin. I think Gasly's doing phenomenal things with that car. Um, I think he. it's a shame that he, yeah, like I said, had the treatment that he did at Red Bull um, because it's obviously, you know, it's a huge... Um, you know, step up there, um, and he just didn't didn't get the the chance that he needed. But um, I think he's doing exactly what he should be doing in that car. Um, he's yeah, no, nah, he's out of the bin. Bin's gone. He's not there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good answer. He uh, he's doing good things. He's doing good things. I'm I'm here for it. Well, look, let's. I'll just run through the starting grid very quickly, and we can talk about what we're going to watch for in the race. Max Verstappen, of course, starting on pole. Lewis Hamilton in second. Sergio Perez in third. Charlotte Claire and Carlos Sainz for Ferrari in fourth and fifth. Uh, Danny Rick and Lando Norris in sixth and seventh for McLaren. Gasly in eighth. Bottas starts in ninth. He's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Sonoda in tenth. That rounds out the top ten. We've got Ocon, Giovinazzi, Stroll, Latifi, Raikkonen, and Schumacher, and Mazepin. In the very end of the grid, we we have three uh, cars that are taking brand new engines in Seb Vettel, Fernando Alonso, and George Russell. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, now that that Bottas only got a five grace place, a grid penalty rather, um, for taking his 77th engine for the week. Uh, Mercedes having a bit of an issue, Campy, I think, in terms of reliability. It's not as strong as we've seen in the past. I mean, Danny Ricks had to take a new power unit. We, in This weekend, we've got Seb Vettel and Aston Martin and George Russell and Williams taking new Mercedes power units. Is it potentially a concern for Lewis up the front and Mercedes up the front that something might go wrong in a reliability sense? Because we haven't seen that for some time, have we? It's a good question. Um, I really don't know. I don't think, I don't think Mercedes will be worried about it. I think they're pretty on top of where their parts are at and what's happening is. Uh, but the engine, the engine part of the car, and the reason it's only a five great five place grid penalty is because it's almost old technology. They, I mean, they, yes, they put work into it and R and D and that sort of stuff, but. It's not the most technical part. I mean, you got the MGUH, the MGUK, and then they've got the electrical components, and they're the components that they need to get right because they're the ones where they spend all the time and money to get that extra performance out of the motor. So the motor's not too bad. I think you can handle five places. It's when the other stuff that goes, the MGUH, I mean, that stuff just hurts teams if they're not getting the uh, the reliability out of it, they need it. But, uh, I mean, everyone c- continues just to change the game this year, right, but from last year and the year before, right? You've got less parts, more races, less parts. So, um I mean, we looked at the engine mode changes last year and mm. I think the engine mode changes is why we're not seeing Mercedes qualify as well as what they can. I think they can extract a hell of a lot more power out of that car for that one, two laps that they need it. But, you know, I mean, engine modes are trying to peg them back. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you think, Freya? I mean, that could throw massive spanner into the mix if Lewis just pulls off to the side of the road with smoke pouring out the back. <laughs> I mean, and then Perez is back on the podium, so I'm cool with it. There you go. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I just didn't realise that Bottas was, was um, capable of even taking any more penalties, but, uh, you know, <laughs> traditions. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I love that. That's a Heineken ad right there. <laughs> 
But yeah, but it's it's going to be yeah. Anyway, I just I just thought about it, just thinking you know, Bottas has taken a lot, you know, Lewis not so much, but you know, we haven't th- sort of thought about it since almost 2018, Campy and Danny Rick having the issues that he had with that Renault power unit yeah. and other bits in the car. We haven't seen the last couple of years something that's sort of worrying in that same respect. And look, it could Bottas, be absolutely fine. Bottas, you know, Bottas has had some pretty memorable incidents this year where he's yeah, ridden true. off, you know, what, three cars. So there's the <laughs> one in the wet with uh, Russell earlier in the year. There was the one, uh, what was the other one, where he took out half the field. <laughs> in Hungary, yep. In Hungary. Yeah. Uh, and there was another crash where he wiped the motor out too. So, I mean, that when they happen early in the season, this is what happens on the flow on. Good point. Yeah, good point. Well, let's talk about what to watch for in the race. Of course, Hamilton and Verstappen, we've mentioned this already, but off the line. Campy, let's just get your pick. Who do you reckon is going to be leading out of turn one? My heart says Maximus, but my head says Hamilton. <laughs> good double answer. Lafreya, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. I wanted to be Verstappen, um, but, uh, but I think Hamilton's going to have the edge. I want it to be Hamilton because he's my mega driver for the week. That's that. <laughs> I genuinely, that's how it influences who I care about. That's not Danny Rick. Uh, you are pretty good in the uh, fantasy league. I am rubbish. I am so far behind. I'm just trying I was, everything. I still haven't looked at it. Oh, still stop it. Used, still haven't used a mega driver. Stop. Yes, <laughs> you're still beating me. Ridiculous. Uh, of course, the other the battle that's going to be interesting is McLaren and Ferrari. We've also spoken about this. I think Campy, you summated it very well in terms of McLaren will be wanting to get ahead of both of those cars, but effectively yeah. it'll be a, a split, maybe DR in fourth, you know, Charles or Carlos in fifth, Lando and then the other Ferrari. But, I mean, really, if if it goes well and there's no red flags and there's no safety cars or any of those issues, Freya, as I said, McLaren probably a better race pace car in terms of looking after these tyres too. It's a lot warmer in Austin than we thought. Is there potential for both of them to get past Ferrari? Oh, both of them. Mm. Mm. Put you on the spot about that. that one. <laughs> the, I don't know about both of them. <laughs> um, and, and let's be clear, we only need one. But um, no, yeah. I, I think <laughs> we only really care I'm, about one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, like you said, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with them um, and pleasantly surprised, I think, by McLaren this weekend with the, um, you know, those um, corners that they haven't been historically strong on. They, you know, don't seem to be as effective as they had huge um, kind of progressions throughout their pre-practices. So um, I think they're doing better with their tyres. One can, I don't think both can. Yeah, well, and look, as long as it's DR, then as I said, who really cares? Uh, The other person that I have of interest is Valtteri. Of course, he starts in ninth. Um, Ever since his announcement that he was going to Alfa Romeo, uh, he's just been a much happier person. Uh, He's got really nothing to lose at this point potentially on for a podium as well. We saw him in Monza come from 20th to third. uh, And, I mean, he's got the ability and no real care to be able to push past, but they're not very good at following other cars, are they, these Mercedes campies? (laughs) So, realistically, where do you think you could put him at the end of the race? Uh, Top five would be good, but I think you'll probably pass Lando and uh, that'll be it. Right, that's it. And Gasly. Gasly might hold. Yeah. I think he'll get, he'll get Gasly. Oh. I think he'll get Gasly pretty quickly, don't you reckon? Yeah, we'd hope so in 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 yeah. a Merc, but also, yeah, Merc. you know, is Gasly is that his race? 
in saying that, Gasly's finished sixth fairly consistently through the year. Um, so there's potential for him to have that pace and and you know good strategy from AlphaTauri to to put him in there. He's got Sonoda that can potentially act as a bit of a rear gunner for that mid pack battle as well. Let's not forget. And as I said, it's interesting to have the Ferraris, McLarens, and AlphaTauri uh, sort of being able to help themselves out in terms of strategy. It's pretty rare. So that's going to be interesting to watch as well. I'll be watching Stroll, hence our conversation on Monday mm-hmm. the, about him and the Vettel thing. I'm going to put the microscope on him for the rest of the year and follow him a bit more closely <laughs> so I can get a you know justified opinion on where he's at. And what do you think, Freya, about Stroll? Because Campy's obviously come in and said he's a one-in-five race person, but now he's more of a one-in-five-year person. <laughs> is he is he going to have the ability to follow through or is he just going to sort of try the alternate strategy and just see what flows out? He is not following through. He's one in five years. Stroll's in the bin. <laughs> there Stroll's it is. in the bin. Good. Love that. Good. Love that. Oh, yeah, and that makes absolute <laughs> sense. Uh, the other person that I want to watch is Fernando Alonso. Starts in 19th. Uh, I loved his strategy about going through those bollards in Russia. Um, that was probably my favorite part of that whole race, especially because he just did it on the outlap and then did it in the race. It was like, well, hey, well, no one actually picked up on it. Uh, but he's got some great control of that car, doesn't he? And Freya, we know historically Renault and now Alpine are pretty good on their tyre consumption if this is a high deg track. You know, there's opportunity for him to get in the points, don't you think? I think so. I think he'll have a. Um, I think he'll have a really interesting race tomorrow. Hopefully, he can cut some corners to get it done. Um, <laughs> Plenty them to uh, cut. Yeah, exactly. Um, so no, I, I think he's a he's a real chance for points, um, especially once Mazepin writes off Mick, and you know he'll be fine. <laughs> um, he'll, he'll get he'll he'll get through pretty quickly. Um, so I, I'm I'm here for a for a long time of points for sure. Yeah, good. Well, look, it's uh, it's all to come. Uh, it's great to be able to get up and then watch it in the morning, our time. Of course, it's uh, almost the opposite for you. It's late afternoon for you tomorrow. Well, you're almost in the time zone, aren't you, Freya, of, of when it should be shown. Uh, yeah. I am enjoying the UK people going, oh, we have to be up at 8 o'clock at night. How are we going to deal with that? It's like, guys, get over it. <laughs> We've been up <laughs> at stupid o'clock all the time. Uh, we managed to get hyped. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. Campy, all right, who's your, who's your podium? Who have you got? Uh, Luis Perez, Dr. Oh, okay, Freya, who have you got? <laughs> Perez, signs, Dr. Yeah, I'm I'm here for that. Uh, something's going to happen with Lewis and Max that's just going to continue the championship fight all the way to Abu Dhabi. Uh, we'll just remain on the same points, and everyone else can catch up. Uh, I mean, look, if they crash out and Daniel Ricciardo just keeps winning. Daniel Ricciardo could be the world driver champion of uh, 2021. Just saying uh, it's very unlikely, but there you go. Uh, well, look, guys, thank you so much for your time. Freya, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for hopping yes. on with us. Uh, a little bit of banter. Uh, it's great to see some Danny Rick merch behind you. Uh, and look, we'd, we'd love to have you back if you're willing to do so. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. No worries. I wasn't sure at first, but then I thought, what would Scott Elkin say? I was like, say yes. 
Just hey, saying. Hey, there you go. Good, good plug. Yeah, another cross plug. Uh, yeah, well, oh, it is a big weekend. I thank you. And now I need to go and we'll catch up on Extreme E to see what's going on. Uh, but look, massive thank you to you for listening or watching wherever you are in the world. We love doing this. Uh, don't forget, you can jump into our Discord server. Uh, and we have a great chat over the whole race, uh, lots of banter. I mean, more actually, the more people that join now, it's starting it's to get a little hard to keep up with how many comments are going on. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's great to, to have everyone from all over the place join us there. Thanks for joining us on Instagram as well. Uh, in fact, I want to mention as well, we've got someone uh, jumping on and taking control of our Instagram, uh, which is very, very exciting. Uh, he reached out to us, it? Lewis, from Geelong. It's not Camby. No. Camby would have absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no idea, uh, but uh, Lewis will introduce himself on our socials. Uh, so big, big thanks to him for wanting to to step into that. He's doing a, uh, a sports management degree and marketing is part of the thing. So he's put his hand up. It's fantastic. So make sure you go jump across to our socials, Instagram as well, and support him there. But guys, thank you to you. Thanks for listening. Do all the good things that good people for podcasts do, and we will see you. Uh, we won't see you, Freya, but because uh, it's just stupid o'clock in the morning, but. For everyone in Australia, it's uh, 5.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, Tommy T will be joining us again and Campy myself, of course, as we review a Perez Signs DR podium for the US Grand Prix. Yeah. Too much. MotoGP is going to be a Tuesday thing, Campy, for me. I'm not going to be able to watch it and do everything else. It's all right, mate. Manus can do it. Oh, you guys can do it. Yeah, we can kill it. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.